Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Heart Gold Corp. third quarter 2020 results and quarterly update conference call. Listeners are reminded that certain matters discussed in today's conference call or answers that may be given to questions asked should constitute, could constitute forward-looking statements and that are subject to risk and uncertainties relating to Heart Gold's future financial or business performance. Actual results could differ materially from those anticipated in these forward-looking statements. The risk factors that may affect results are detailed in HeartGold's third quarter 2020 management discussion and analysis and other periodic filings and registration statements. You can access these documents at CDAR's database found at CDAR.com. I'd like to remind everyone that this conference call is being recorded today, Friday, November 13, 2020. On this call, management of HeartGold will be quoting dollar figures. All figures are in Canadian dollars unless otherwise noted. Participating on this call will be Fraser Bruchet, President and CEO of HeartGold, and Graham Decrees, CFO of HeartGold. At this time, I would like to now introduce Dr. Or sorry, Mr. Fraser Bruchet to provide an update on the quarter. Please go ahead, Mr. Bruchet. Thank you, operator, and good morning to everyone, and thank you for joining us on this call. I believe it's the first one we've had this year. And before I speak to the past quarter, I would like to briefly provide some context and reasons for why I joined HeartGold as its president and CEO nearly two months ago. I find it both a privilege and an important responsibility that I fully commit to, to lead HeartGold into its next stage of growth, to become profitable, and to reward all stakeholders including shareholders, who have committed to this company and believe especially in the potential of this important mine just north of White River, Ontario. While I have been fortunate to work for over 30 years in the hard rock mining industry, both domestically and abroad, including open pit and underground, and both large multinational corporations and and smaller single-asset companies recovering both polymetallic and gold minerals through the standard delineation, drill blast, load haul, process extraction and gravity, leach, pressure ox float, there is something to me that's very rewarding and intriguing about an early stage, tidy, small footprint asset that has real potential for high growth value, both from its current underground operation and the contiguous mineralization along strike, at depth, and from within the neighboring 80,000 hectare land package. First, the overall sugar zone property potential and the size of the land package, as I just shared, in an established, safe, and proven greenstone geological environment, sharing similar traits to the Hemlo camp, which is 50 kilometers northwest and has produced over 21 million ounces of gold in over 30 years, 
That is an excellent starting point. Second, I'm very familiar operating in northwestern Ontario, having started my career in Red Lake, 670 kilometers northwest as the crow flies of White River, and more recently in the Abitibi Greenstone Belt of Detour Lake, 430 kilometers northeast. This is an enjoyable geological homecoming of sorts and an honor to be part of something that can contribute to both the local surrounding community while rewarding those that have made initial and ongoing investments into this company. Third, I enjoy being involved in turnaround stories. I've done it in the past, and I plan to do it again. And fourth, I have familiarity with and complete trust in Hart's operational and executive management team, most of whom I know from earlier in my career, and most of whom only joined the company earlier this year. As well, the current board chair, Joe Conway, and major investor, Appian Capital, had only recently commenced transitioning to a different operational approach, initially led by Sam Kutzer, who I'm pleased remains on the board. So Hart, in many ways, is still in its infancy, with commercial production only being obtained a year earlier, in January 2019, and a four-month COVID-19 shutdown this year. However, the critical building blocks and the overall framework are already taking shape. On to the quarterly results. So these quarterly results represent about uh, two-thirds of a normal operating corner, a quarter, with mining really only commencing in late July and the process plant in early August. Employee and contractor safety remains a top priority and a core value. While we had, unfortunately, one lost time injury reported during care and maintenance in July, we have had no lost time incidents since the operational restart. And in addition, occupational safety and hygiene management in the current global pandemic has generated elevated focus in this area with additional measures implemented. I am pleased to report we have had no COVID-related illnesses to date. Operationally, Hart Gold produced a total of 6,218 ounces of gold for the quarter, over 3,000 ounces per month, and 14,815 for the full year. Third quarter averaged the highest monthly production to date in terms of total rock mined, that's ore plus waste, Total ore processed, head grade fed at 5.7 grams per ton, and ounces produced. We remain comfortable with our mineral resource reconciliation, and as we continue to descend at depth into the ore body, we forecast continuing to approach reserve grade of approximately 7 grams per ton. Revenues for the quarter were $12.2 million on 4,882 ounces sold. Keeping in mind, we sold some ounces in Q2 as well, despite that not being an operational quarter. With $21.4 million in cash at the end of third quarter, the company is currently in a stable liquid position. Cash on hand, together with cash generated from operations, 
is expected to sufficiently fund working capital requirements as well as planned sustaining capital investment activities through 2021. However, the company does remain in discussions with its major lender, BNP Baribas, on alternatives to provide additional financial flexibility focused on a preferred adjustment to the current scheduled amortization payments of the term loan, while of course honoring all debt repayment obligations. I will touch on this later. The owner-operator transition from contractor mine development and contractor mine haulage has progressed smoothly and should be completed by the fourth quarter of this year. Summer prospecting at TT8, which is about 17 kilometers southeast of the mine, is completed with five successful new mineralized showings, now extending the overall mineralized trend, and I will touch on this in exploration later. And finally, the feasibility study examining a 1,200 ton per day expansion is nearing conclusion, but I am now targeting to deliver that feasibility study and the results in early Q1 2021. A revision in timing pushed out by four to six weeks, which I will also clarify later on the call. On the operation, I am pleased with how the mine is trending on some of its key performance indicators. There remains, however, enhanced focus with the generation of further action plans to obtain accountability-driven milestones in the coming quarters, as I envision achieving much further elevated production metrics. In Q3, mining activities started slightly ahead of the mill, <clears throat> such that a sufficient surface stockpile could be built up to specifically test higher mill throughput rates in campaigning intervals. The mill performed as planned for the quarter, averaging about 650 tons per day over a 56-day operating period, with feed grade at 5.7 grams a ton and 93.4% recovery. Mill performance also achieved 800 tons per day or more for up to seven continuous operating days following restart on several different campaigns. So this confirms that the mill in its current state is not a limiter to an 800 ton per day operation. Ore selling was developed and long hole stopes were mined from sugar zone, both north and south areas, approaching 500 tons per day. Development continues to the middle zone and key capital waste development indicators were on plan for the quarter and continue to trend positively. Best practice mine geology standards are being implemented to better both manage responsive, flexible mine planning, geological grades, and provide increased confidence in the mineral resource, which to date reconciles within 5%. Grade control infill drilling exceeded 5,900 meters for the quarter, targeting both sugar and middle zone areas from two drill rigs, one from surface, the other from underground. The information compiled as per normal operating practice from this grade control drilling continues to better define geometry of the ore body with ongoing updates to the grade control model. 
I will now hand over to the company's CFO, Graham DePria, to summarize financial performance for the quarter. Graham. Thank you, Fraser. We are pleased with the company's financial performance in Q3 2020, but results were influenced by the fact that this was a startup quarter and the results are therefore not directly comparable to previous quarters. For the third quarter, Hard Gold sold approximately 4,900 ounces of gold, generating revenues of 12.2 million at an average realized gold price of just below 1,900 US dollars per ounce sold. It is important to note the realized gold price is before the effects of the gold hedge, which, I'll, which I will discuss later, but it does account for existing offstake agreements. Mine operating cash flow, defined as revenues, royalties, and cash production costs, was positive $4.7 million for the quarter compared to negative $700,000 in Q3 2019. This increased over previous quarters due to a higher realized gold price and lower production costs for the quarter. Royalties and selling expenses increased to $600,000 in Q3, up from $400,000 in Q3 2019. This is primarily due to an increase in the NSR rate from a cumulative 3.5% to 4%, effective July 14, 2020. At this point, I would like to break from the reported financials to discuss the gold hedge. In Q3, the company paid gold hedge settlements of $3.4 million. The hedge is settled financially with a prearranged ounce profile and is not related to the amount of gold that is produced at the mine. In Q4 this year, the company is obligated to deliver about 5,600 ounces of gold at a price of 1,390 US dollars per ounce, which is less than the number of ounces expected to be sold in Q4 2020. Next year, we will deliver about 23,000 ounces at a price of just under 1,400 US dollars per ounce into the hedge. That, um, that number of ounces is less than 40% of our current guidance for 2021. As gold production increases, the impact of the hedge will continue to diminish over the remaining approximately three years of the hedge. The company's realized gold price after giving effect to the gold edge settlements was approximately 1,350 US dollars per ounce for the quarter. Net loss for the quarter was $11.7 million compared to a net loss of $15.2 million in Q3 2019. A large contributor to the net loss was a $7 million change in fair value of the gold edge due to increasing gold prices it is important to note that this is a non-cash item. A further $1 million mark-to-market loss was incurred on a derivative associated with the Appian financing during the quarter, again, another current non-cash item. Adjusting for non-cash items, the company generated negative EBITDA of half a million dollars for the quarter. I wish to remind everyone that cash costs, all-in sustaining costs, mine operating cash flow, and EBITDA are non-GAAP measures. A full reconciliation of these figures can be found in the company's MD&A 
filed on CEDAW. Cash operating costs were just under $1,200 per ounce compared to $1,500 per ounce in Q3 2019. All in sustaining costs were $2,500 per ounce for the quarter compared to about $2,250 per ounce in Q3 2019. Both cash costs and all-in sustaining costs are reported on a per ounce sold basis, as Q3 was a partial operating quarter during which time we were rebuilding our sales cycle, costs in Q3 are allocated over a lower number of ounces produced relative to previous quarters. As the number of ounces increase, we expect cash costs and all-in sustaining costs to decline. The company has $21.4 million in cash on hand at the end of the quarter. In Q3, the company raised $30 million US dollars in gross proceeds to support working capital and continued mine development. I'll now hand the call back to Fraser to provide an update on the company's operational outlook and guidance. Thanks for that, Graham. And look, this, this concludes the more formal discussions about the Q3 operations, which uh, you know we hope doesn't come across as a mere regurgitation of what we emailed out last night in the MD&A financial statements and press release. But uh, hopefully it provides a bit of color to that, but we will open it up to questions uh, after I speak for the final 10 minutes where I want to pivot right now and really just uh, at, at this point provide the participants on the call with you know, uh, an, an outline of my planned focus for 2021 uh, as well as guidance for the remainder of 2020. And really, it's all one and the same. Right now, we're not changing our guidance for the remainder of 2020. That remains 20 to 24,000 ounces. But the focus going forward that I have uh, discussed and, and the team and I are very aligned on uh, is really five areas. The first is ensuring uh, we achieve 800 tons per day. It may look like starting at 500, we have quite a ways to go, but I want to remind you this, of course, is about ore, and we are in the process of mining ore and waste. A lot of the waste is capital development. So the same pieces of gear that we have underground are busy, tied up, uh, developing that waste so we get ourselves set up. So we believe that is still very achievable, and we have to do that both for our future success, for credibility, and to launch into the next step which is the feasibility study, of which I will have an additional focus and have since I arrived here, and that's the plan that we will share in January of 1,200 tons per day. The third focus area is the exploration potential, which I will talk about just shortly. That is a, a great opportunity for us without distracting from the operational need, and to us it's a parallel uh, process that we believe will further unlock potential at Sugar Zone property. The fourth is the one that's probably in front of most individual or investors' mind, which is the capital structure. And I'll speak to that in terms of looking at uh, financial flexibility in discussions both with our current debt lenders and alternative uh, potential investors. And then the fifth is uh, generating an overall corporate strategy. Now is not the time to get into this on this particular call. That is something that will evolve with myself and the board 
as we develop a coherent and clear strategy for HeartGold Corporation going forward. But it is something that uh, after delivery of our budget, uh, tracking to the 800 tons per day and the feasibility study will become point of mind along with our capital structure discussions. So very quickly, again, the plan remains to achieve an, a run rate of 800 tons per day during the first quarter of next year, and we're on track to do that. Internally, we look at a lot of lead production metrics, not just lag metrics, uh, to the point that just a few of them we have decided to start to share, that you'll see those in a table in the MDNA. Two of those we've decided to start to share are what we call mine development meters or capital development meters, both horizontal and uh, decline, as well as the number of working areas. Uh, a third, which uh, gets into a bit of detail, we're not sharing in terms of our MDNA, is just drilled underground inventory that comes from our long hole stokes, which is how we do all our mining underground as far as big mining with the long hole retreat. And I want to remind everyone the previous 18-month guidance remains at 60 to 65,000 ounces. We have not changed that. However, of course, as we finalize our budget process in the next month and we share with the market both our year-end results, we will provide official guidance, 12-month uh, guidance, uh, in January of next year for 2021. In terms of, uh, I, I just the next two slides I want to show are more a, a high-level visual. This is, uh, you know, a section view of our underground mine with the one at it. Uh, we mine down to about 260, 270 meters below uh, surface from where the adit access the underground. And this is really showing, as far as capital development, we've averaged nine meters per month. Again, that's split between uh, our decline ramps. Uh, in the north and south, as well as our horizontal uh, drives that head out to the ore body. And we plan to, that needs to and will go up to 13 to 14 meters per day with a number of different action plans we have, more than just additional gear. It involves a number of different actions. And we're targeting that for the first quarter of next year. The other one we talk about is available working areas or stoping areas. We're presently at four, as this picture shows. It's a somewhat generalized view to try and simplify it uh, for the market. But those three uh, circles there show the current areas we're working in, uh, and that generates the 500 tons per day. But on the next slide, you'll see that that moves to five to six working areas. Uh, and that's as we descend through the ore body and get access to more main haulage levels, and open up ourselves in terms of more stove faces, more mining flexibility, that will underpin the seven to 800 tons per day that will fluctuate uh, and we get, as we get to an 800 ton per day mining and mill throughput rate in the first quarter of 2021. So those were examples of some of the key lead metrics. On to the second focus area on the 1,200 ton per day feasibility study. Uh, as I shared, um, this, this study, which involves a process plant uh, expansion, uh, we had a recent uh, mine-related scenario analyses that were completed with our various uh, third-party engineering companies, and they prevented some interesting new opportunities that I just want to make sure we run to ground. They're important decisions 
dealing with tails, backfill, etc. So as a result of that, while not overly significant in timing, uh, I want to push out that uh, summary of the executive summary of the feasibility study by four to six weeks. Uh, so we'll be sharing that in early Q1 with uh, the required, of course, delivery of the technical report no more than 45 days after we announce those uh, executive summary results uh, early next year. And again, uh, the, the uh, graph on the right showing current uh, guidance, which is not changing, it shows what the latest guidance was that I believe was given uh, to the investors last July or August of the 60 to 65. Now we will update that. The first year of the feasibility study will reflect a new update as uh, that coincides with our budget process that we plan to approve and get finalized towards the end of this year with the board. And then, you know, I purposely left a question mark there that will all be about the timing and how we get to that 1,200 tons per day, which will come out in the feasibility study. Third focus area, exploration. Um, essentially, this is a, a, a large, expansive property that has been somewhat uh, starved of exploration dollars for a number of reasons as far as uh, in, in the ground. Uh, however, we do, when I say starved of dollars, there has been $5 million still of CEE that we have. We will be ramping that up. We have until the end of next year to spend that. And if we continue to with success that we hope to get, that could well exceed the $5 million. Uh, a lot of this is about compiling all the data. We have an awful lot of data on this property. Uh, it needs to be compiled into an overlaying database and mapping, including all the structure, the geochem, the IP, the, the airborne and ground IP, the magnetics, the, the EM, the lithology, all of that put together so that we can increase our confidence in the target areas that we plan to do some exploration and drilling on. The first of which is TT8, where we've got a drill about to start there in two weeks' time, as we've done some bush line cutting uh, and doing ground IP and following up on that. So that'll be 4,000 meters to the end of this year. And when we give our guidance for next year, I will talk more about the exploration strategy on that guidance as well. The fourth area, the capital structure. I think uh, most of the investors are aware of this. I mean, unusual, of course. I think we're all aware to have a, a situation where our, our, our capital uh, our market cap is, is about equivalent to our, our overall debt. The debt comprised, again, of $89 million, uh, to BNP Paribas, uh, and that's at LIBOR plus 4.4%, 4 and that's split between a, a term loan and a revolver. Uh, and the discussions we're having, continue to have with Baron BNP, is about uh, looking to uh, re-sculpt that term loan, uh, that the quarterly payments on that term loan, just to give us uh, a bit of a break over next year, as it's our probably last most capital intensive period, separate from the feasibility study. Uh, we also have a hedge. We have about 20,000 ounces a year remaining on that hedge, roughly, for the next three years. But uh, even at the end of this year and next year with our planned production, we will still be exposed to about two-thirds of the, two-thirds of our production will be exposed to the spot price. Uh, and then the other uh, 20,000 ounces a year at about a, uh, a cap of 1390 and it's got a floor of 1300. 
And then uh, the Appian is our major supportive investor. Uh, they're, they're currently, that's a facility that was closed in August of this year that matures in, in 2023. That's a non-cash uh, loan right now that's paid in shares at an interest rate of 14%. And then finally, just to summarize, again, at the appropriate time, I'll share strategy next year, earlier next year. But, you know, I believe we will emerge operationally stronger. This is just to start what you've seen in Q3. We're looking forward to present a full three-month quarterly result in Q4 as we have, will have completed the owner-operator transition. Uh, improved geological and planning and process plant practices, uh, lead metrics tracking, which we will continue to share with the market, uh, and uh, delivering on these production targets that we show here on the right. Again, I caveat that the 2021 one is from earlier in July. We will update that officially in January. And then the working capital reset that I have talked about in discussions with our various partners and the exploration results, uh, which has me quite excited, but I keep in mind that is a, an important, but parallel, not distract, distracting activity to what we know is critical at hand of getting to 800 tons per day and then enacting on our feasibility study. So on that basis, I hope that provides a summary. We're approaching uh, 30 minutes in our call, and I want to uh, hand back to the operator to open up the lines in case anyone has any questions of clarity on what we've shared today with both our third quarter results and our outlook uh, for the next year. Thank you. Operator? Thank you. To ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Again, that is star 1 on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, press the pound or hash key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Again, if you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. There are no questions at this time. I'll turn the call back over to the presenters. Yeah, thanks very much for that, operator. I'll, I'll take that as a positive that hopefully we were very clear in terms of what we shared and, and, and comprehensive in both the press release. Uh, I do remind all listeners uh, and those elsewhere that this call will remain will be put on our website, I believe, uh, as a webcast that you can listen to over a certain period of time for any that wanted to get a bit more color on the results we put out. Thank you very much, uh, and stay safe, everyone. Cheers. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.